Okay, we had a false start. Technical difficulties. Year of October. They're back. Josh Sullivan, Felicia Sullivan. Thank you so much for coming back on. Yeah. Tell me about your record label, Watch It Burn Records. Yeah, so we um, this year we started our new label, Watch It Burn Records, and um, we put out a 45 for the Weird Sisters, uh, another local band around here, and they're awesome. Ride That Satellite. Yeah, Ride That Satellite and uh, Lost in the Chronic, and uh, super stoked about that. We put that out on 420. Um, naturally. Naturally. For, yeah. <laughs> especially, yeah. And then um, we have uh, our new um, 45 coming out with the Dangerous Method. Um, yeah, there's for Jared there, right? Jo- Joseph Jared, that's Joseph his name. Jared, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And um, we just we just had that go up for presale not that long ago, and been been working on that, and uh, we're super stoked about it. But yeah, we wanted to do the label. Um, I don't know if you wanted to add on to that. Yeah, we wanted to do the label uh, just because we knew how much the vinyl, having vinyl had helped us and helped us grow a following, helped us um, just connect with other people out there that. Uh, love vinyl and then could hear our music because it was on there and they were interested in that to begin with and we just wanted to do that for other bands that we love their music and maybe not they might not have the ability to put it on vinyl themselves yeah well what I love about you guys is that you always have like badass covers and cool merch with like cats or dragons or some shit like that (laughs) I'm into it so it looks cool it pops on an actual fucking vinyl you know when you look at it Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely Um, that's one of our favorite things is just like the tangible like having a tangible thing to look at because like growing up I would always buy CDs and I could look at it and like read the liner notes and have it just in front of me and I just think it's cool to have that available and just have cool art in general well people that like rock music or alternative music or um, music that is still played by instruments, typically, they're at least um, mildly a vinyl fan, even if they only have one or two records. So was that something, like, when you guys first started getting vinyl, you, you were having to outsource it? Like, how does that? how did that work, and how did that build up to getting the label? Were you having it pressed? Was it taking forever? What was going on with that? Yeah, um, yes, uh, one of the... The first time we pressed vinyl was in 2014. We did our album uh, Golden Days, and we went through URP, which is a local press plant, pressing plant. Um, now we go through Gotta Groove Records. Uh, it's Gotta Groove and Wax Mage is their sub-label, or sub-press plant, I mean. And they're up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, but yeah, we uh, <laughs> I just one of those things, we've, we've done it through four or five different plants now, and... Uh, got a groove is is our favorite for sure and and we'll be continuing to work through that with them but yeah we uh uh we actually drive up to cleveland to pick up the records and oh stuff. shit okay but, um, but yeah we definitely have learned a lot about about the vinyl process and and um with our last release with keep on fighting which is the new year of october release uh we uh it was actually a 13 month turnaround on that because at the time they were so backed up all the plants were so we had to wait to put out that album but Honestly, it was a good thing we, we waited, but uh, uh, it worked out well. But it's definitely a process, man. It it, it takes a lot, and um, I know more about it now. We know more about it now than we did yeah, a few and years the, ago. The pressings are more caught up now, too. Yeah, they are, yeah. It was a 13-month for that because of several things that were being pressed at the time. Adele, Taylor Swift were just flooding the market for pressing. Um, but now it's probably like a four-month turnaround, so mm-hmm. much better than it was back then. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's great that vinyl is is cool and it's really hip, but the the major labels, you know, they're they get top priority since they have the most to offer. They're going to be right. it's supply and demand. 
and they are fucking supplying the uh, all the every time they're like you were saying a new T Swift release or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and um, like talking to one of my friends the other day, I guess he just started working at the Nashville. I don't even remember what it was called, but it's one of the bigger plants, and it's a newer plant. And uh, he was saying they did like eighty-seven thousand records in one day. They pressed them, and as all I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's that's you know <laughs> unbelievable numbers. Like, and they're doing like the Eagles and yeah, you know all these. Of course, yeah, yeah. 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 The biggest, like he said, he he said they had like a thousand over. They had an overage of a thousand records for like you know Bob Marley or something. Oh wow! <laughs> so. That's wild. I'm like, it's like twice as many records as I press normally, you know, or <laughs> whatever. So, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I, I've been I've been to one place, um, United, off mm-hmm. of Murfreesboro Pike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I went for a job interview there. I didn't get the job, but uh, I went there and they walked me through and they just kind of showed me around and it was really cool to kind of see it firsthand mm-hmm. what it at least looked like oh, absolutely. yeah it was cool we went when we went up one of the last times to go up to cleveland to pick up our records we got to tour the plant and it was cool to just see it and to like see the little pellets that they like turn into vinyl it's just it was cool to see all of that and the and with with got a groove um their their sub plant uh wax mage is is really wild because they do like you can only order 25 at a time and each one is completely different like they're uh yeah, it's like the crazy press crazy the presses like a, and um so we've like been different colors and shit like that and, and each but each one is like it's a own limited thing. run yeah, yeah 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 so like um that's a wild thing and uh they're awesome they showed us that process which is it's crazy he's he was explaining it to us uh and it was it was cool to see for sure yeah it's it's interesting i mean vinyl's just i mean it, it it's already made its comeback it seems like it's here to stay. I think, especially a lot of people, you know, like us, we grew up in a, that weird generation that was right in between, like, CD, to where you could get a physical copy, and then just buying, like, songs off of iTunes or downloading them off of fucking LimeWire or some shit. Right. Um, and uh, when I could afford it when I was younger, I would always go and buy, like, either a CD or a vinyl of a band that I really liked. And now uh, I'm sad to say that I, I, I don't really have a vinyl collection, but I've, I've moved so much in the time that I've been in Nashville. At one point, I was just like, I can't keep moving these records because I was always right. fucking stressed out. They're heavy as shit. You don't want to leave them in the car. You, exactly. Because yeah. they'll get fucked up. Yeah. Um, and they're expensive. I mean, it even says right there, 20 to $40, depending on what you get if you're getting right. something new. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – it's definitely a thing, you know. Vinyl, vinyl's back in full swing. Absolutely. So, what else have you guys been up to? I know before we kind of got started, you had mentioned you're going to be playing a lot of shows on the road this fall. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're hitting it, hitting it hard this fall. Um, we're definitely going to be uh, this October's very busy. November's busy. We're going up to DC, uh, doing a little like, what do we call it, like. Uh, the pedal tours yeah a little a bunch of pedal tours like you know three or four dates in like a you know basically in like a circle okay around nashville um but uh yeah we're playing uh um in october too we're playing a nashville show at the east room on uh, october 9th and uh, we're super super stoked about that um 
definitely definitely hitting it hard this fall and this winter for sure yeah i'm excited uh this dc show came about uh through a band that we've kind of just befriended online suspect through, down through vinyl actually yeah through vinyl we became friends online through vinyl and uh they got us to come up there and it's funny because i had booked a show in dc in 2020 that had gotten canceled and that was going to be our first time there and just hadn't been able to get back up there and they reach out about this show and it just happens to be the same exact venue that I had booked in 2020 and I was like that's so cool I'm glad we're gonna get to play there (laughs) finally yeah yeah I'm excited for that and uh we'll we'll play there we're gonna be in Youngstown Ohio Mm -hmm. um what's that what's the venue called uh West Side Bowling West Side Bowl yeah yeah nice so super stoked about that and then um in Cincinnati Raleigh right yeah that'll be a good run um yeah, we're super excited, and uh, we'll be, um, yeah, hopefully coming coming to a town near <laughs> where everybody can see us. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what's your guys' favorite place to uh, to play? Um, got a couple for sure. Uh, what probably I mean Philly was awesome. Yeah, I love playing in Philly. We played a couple shows in Philly. We uh, our buddy Bob, who runs the Bobcast, uh, his his podcast, he he uh, puts on a couple festivals up there um we played 2019 we played one what was it uh roof it was a whole foods yeah i was on roof of a whole foods and uh, that was one of the best it was like three stages and like so like they would have everybody setting up while the other bands playing and everybody just turns around and you know there's another stage and um it was wild it was cool Mm mm-hmm then uh, Terrapin Station in Murray, Kentucky, is like a little record store. Um, Tim Payton, the guy who runs it, is amazing. And playing there, it's just – we just played there again recently, and um, it's just crazy because, like, you get done playing and, like, people freak out and they're into it, but then it's, like, silence. They're, like, list- They're like really, really engaged in the set. And it's cool because that doesn't happen everywhere, and it's just a really good time. Yeah, Terrapin Station's awesome. Yeah, I played at this place with the Weird Sisters in Kentucky called Wandering Elm Photography. Did you guys ever play there? We did not. I think that's in Somerset, though. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's in Somerset. And uh, it's actually funny because Josh Norfleet from The Reveal and Norfleet um, it has family that's there. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was just kind of random. Um, but, yeah, it was it was honestly a great gig um, that, that I played there. It was so Christian – from formerly of the Blam Blams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are the Blam Blams still a band? I, I, I don't, don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But Christian's a great fucking drummer. Oh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, he's awesome, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he's really good. But, yeah, playing with the Weird Sisters, it was really cool. We sound-checked with uh, uh, Why Don't We Do It in the Road oh, nice. by the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. It was cool. I, I have a recording. Like, it's so funny because it's like, I have a bunch of recordings of pretty much every show that I've played where I was like a higher gun, mm-hmm. whether it was with Violet Moons, Weird Sisters, TH3, not all the TH3 shows because I was high a lot back then. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's cool to li- be able to like actually listen back and see it's like a chapter of life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It no, is that's interesting. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. We actually, as I said, we play in Somerset. It was a, there's a venue we play in Somerset called, uh, we do it as a duo because it's a smaller uh, brewery, but we play Jarfly Brewing. Oh yeah. Okay. And awesome. they always treat us well. It's funny though. You say that cause we've, 
talked to people at the show and they're like they looked up our label where they're like hey we saw the weird sisters like six you know or yeah, however long I, ago. I was it was with me <laughs> i was yeah yeah them. yeah awesome. so it's funny because it's a it's just a small world you know yeah it's, <laughs> it's badass man you know you know what's so cool I, I i think it's great how many great bands are in town and if there's one thing that i really haven't done too much of it's going other places to play and it's something that I really want to do more of. I'm not playing with anyone like in particular right now. More so, just like hired gun for like Broadway related shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's almost I don't know. It's just interesting to to play with all of the different bands that are here and to kind of see everyone because I've been here for eight fucking years now. You know, mm-hmm. so it's been a minute that I've been here, and it's amazing to kind of see the way that everybody has slowly grown over time mm-hmm. yeah it is it's really cool and uh, yeah like it, it's also wild because you, you bring up like getting out of town like it's it's crazy too though because i feel like nashville's nashville's tough like sometimes it's you play a crowd of musicians it's a crowd yeah. of musicians and, and you know like some of the best bands in town don't you know have a draw and, yeah. and you know how, you know how it goes yeah and and then and then sometimes you just play the wrong night of the week where there's a bunch of other events. There's you know. a, a fucking football game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a concert at Ascend. Right. A beer and wine festival. And then five other local bands yeah. everybody wants to see. Uh, so, like, it's interesting, though, because, yeah, hitting the road is, like, the best thing that we've done. Um, and, and like, it's just – it's great to see it because, like, sometimes you play a small town and, like, there might not be anything happening. Yeah. And, like, that's – Like in Somerset. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, like – I think there's, like, two places that stay open. Yeah. Past, past like, nine. Yeah. So, like – we play there. Everybody, all the people who get off, get off work and come hang out, and yeah, it's awesome. Like we've been asked, like we'll play our our full set, and then they're like, "Hey, can you guys just keep playing?" Because like all these people keep piling, so it's like it's awesome. Like you never would see that here. You know what I mean? Oh no, <laughs> no, you, you're you've already been on stage too for too long. Twenty yeah, yeah, minutes yeah, over. Please, please stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, and don't get me wrong, it's great to play in Nashville. Oh, I, I love it. A, yeah. a lot of great shows here. But I will say the perspective shifter that I kind of had was starting to play down on Broadway, mm. Mm. Um, which I have you guys. No. You, you, you've always kind of done the original thing. Yeah. I mean, you play I, covers and shit on the road, right? Uh, no, not like really. One. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. we might play one or two covers. Damn. Total, yeah. So, so like, you've been focused on the original stuff. Yeah. yeah. I played one when we first moved here in 2011. I did one covers gig. I played bass. Uh, and did like it wasn't on Broadway, but it was. It like, was like in Franklin. It was in Franklin. It was at like a Broadway type bar. Yeah, I should you know. And I did one gig of it, and I was like, I just for me, I just couldn't do it. But I also didn't enjoy the people I was playing with. Yeah, which was a big part of it. Like they were very negative. Like, yeah, I didn't really know them either. But like it wasn't fun to hang out with them. So I was like, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah, anymore. no, I I feel you. <laughs> it's it's interesting. It's like I know the Reveal Boys really fucking well now they've become some of my closest friends in town and it's funny because i mean dustin will even talk about it um when he comes on the show but he gets uh, kind of burned out a lot of the musicians that come on here that have played on broadway talk about the burnout of playing yeah um and i don't really experience that or i haven't yet because i'm limited exposure like i might go down there once a month or right a couple times a month if if even that yeah. Um, but it was fun. Like we just played one on Sunday and Dusty was on drums, which I don't know if you've ever seen Dustin McKee play drums. I've just seen some some stuff on Instagram or someone shared on their story or something. He's a great fucking drummer. He's nice. really good. 
Um, and of course, Dusty plays bass and sings in the reveal. Mm-hmm. But whatever their drummer Ian can't make the gig, Dustin will move over to drums. So if, when they need a bass player, they'll call me. Nice. Okay. Um, so I've kind of been getting my feet way, my feet wet that way, um, playing down there. And it's it like the show we just played was great, man. Like uh, it, it's funny because it can be dead for like the first three and a half hours and then the last 30 <laughs> yeah it just you're killing it you know yeah, what yeah. i mean everybody is fucking into it um but we also played from four to eight so that makes sense it's like uh, after yeah. dinner people are ready to drink and turn right up. they might have already had a few exactly. <laughs> um but yeah it's it's been a great experience i will say that i can never listen to sweet child of mine for pleasure again oh yeah i couldn't <laughs> listen to that for pleasure to begin with yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, I understand. I understand. There's certain songs. There's certain songs that like that I I was like I told Felicia like I, there's certain bands that I love that I'm like I could never cover that because I would start to hate it. Yeah, I think. And like like I was like we're not gonna cover that, you know. And I just intentionally like I don't know. We have a, people yell like like because obviously we don't play many covers, but if we if people yell covers at us, I just act like I don't know it. Yeah. And like I feel like and it's stupid because like y- it's like the biggest song. That yeah, I've yeah. Never heard it before. Yeah, yeah. They obviously don't believe me, but. <laughs> yeah, th- there's a level of uh, plausible deniability that you have to have on stage sometimes. She's a little, she's good at deflecting. But. I am good at, def- I mean, being on the mic for 10, 11 years, right. I have to be good at deflecting now. If I didn't get better at it, then. How do you handle hecklers? Oh, I heckle back. Or I'll just like, I don't, I'm just very sarcastic yeah. in life. And so I'm sarcastic in that way. And I feel like a lot of times for the majority of it, hecklers enjoy being sarcastic back they, to them. Yeah. And yeah. So, they want their balls busted. Yeah. I think, that, I think too, like hecklers think that they're making your experience better. And I think, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like they're like, oh, sure. no one's paying attention. I'm just adding to the show. Yeah. And I'm always like, no, you're, you're making it terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but you're making it terrible for everyone she's else. She's really good about it though. Like. We, we I put ha- them in their place, but, like, I make them feel good about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, one time we played uh, Knoxville. We were at the Prez Pub, which we were talking about earlier. But we were Love playing, the Prez Pub. playing just the two of us. And we were upstairs in, like, the second floor, which is really cool. We're playing on a Saturday. There's, like, you know, 50 people in the room watching the football game. Tennessee – and I'm a Tennessee fan, too. But Tennessee's up, like – it's like, you know, their first game of the season. So they're playing like, a you know, some Division two school or something. Yeah. They're up like 35 to 7. So the game's over. And they have the speakers on. The minute we start playing, they turn everything off. And uh, first song is over. Everyone's staring at us. And this guy comes up and is like, yo, can you just like not play till the game's over? And I'm like, no, nah, man, we, we're getting paid to, you know, play or whatever. You got to be But here. like, man, that was the most uncomfortable set ever. We didn't get a single applause. <laughs> like, my cousin. That was, was a long time ago, too. Yeah, that was like 2000. 12 2013 oh my, shit my cousin was there and he was clapping but like he was the only one yeah for like three hours yeah one clap is almost worse than no claps. yeah 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 and like we would fit we would be on, on a break and, and uh people would like smart off or you know whatever yeah. but it was you know it is what it is it's just funny <laughs> well that's the kind of shit that you really learn you know you got to earn your stripes playing shows whether it's on the road broadway or just even the like here in town because they're all different vibes. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. You know, like if someone's coming out to, to East to see a show, it's more of a um, – it's a social thing. Like when the Weird Sisters play, it's an event. Everybody wants to come out and see each other, mm-hmm. um, see the Weird Sisters. What are they going to do? What crazy right. shit are they going to do? Um, 
so it's and then of course Broadway, it, it's the shit show. Um, and then there's the singer songwriter scene, the writers round scene, mm-hmm. which is also different too. Which you know, it's okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, I understand. I think one of the biggest things that we learned from playing in town, like when we first got here, is to always play the same every single show. Like, even if there's, like, two people there or there's, like, 200 people there, like, you put on the same show for all those same people, for all the people. Mm-hmm. Like, right. because that's, like, it means something to those two people that you're putting on a great show for yeah, them. Yeah, you're putting an effort. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. That's And, and like, and I love playing in Nashville. It's definitely got its you know, positives and negatives, but like, it, I, I always say like iron sharpens iron. Like it's made us be a lot better. 100%. Mm-hmm. There's, you could like, I, you know, you could see the best band you've, you've seen locally and there's two people there and they're crushing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like you, you learn like quickly, like, all right, you play the same show. Cause also the two people seeing you could have 10 friends that like your band or, you yeah. know, whatever you never know. Absolutely. Well, it's, I, I've played, I'm sure, sh- I'm sure have, you guys have too. Um, a lot of spring water shows, <laughs> Where it was like a Sunday night or a Tuesday night, and there was no one in the audience. Like I, I can even remember a couple of times where me, Teo, and James played, and you guys were there, and then maybe two or three other people. Right. You know? yep. Right. Um, but you, when you play those shows, it's like, I, I never give a, give a fuck. I always just like playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, if yeah. no one's there, it's fun. You yeah, play, it's always a good time. And I always, we always say like, you play for yourself and you play for the music, and you know what I mean. Like yeah. You, like if you love playing you don't have to necessarily like you know like you're not faking it you're just playing you know yeah and, and like uh it's it's interesting though because like you definitely you know i always say like it's it's easy to play for a crowd of, of people that are like telling engaged you, telling you you're awesome and, yeah and screaming at you it's hard to play when there's two people and one of them is a bartender and wants to leave yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you have to win them over mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah uh, it's interesting to kind of just see the way that that dynamic works too because it's like um in playing in nashville it's like we were mentioning earlier it's a lot of the time in the clubs that we're playing at here when we're playing original music it's other musicians and then when you start playing for non-musicians anytime that i have the small handful of times i've played outside of town or i've played down on broadway it's a different experience Mm -hmm. right people People actually give a shit they want to talk to you and find out about what it is that you do yeah yeah yeah. they're not used to seeing a band you know they're they're, they might be see they might see one band in however much time yeah you know (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely exciting and it's funny talking to people because i feel like they think it's way more i mean it is cool don't get me wrong it's the coolest fucking thing on the planet but um, I, I feel like from an outside perspective, there's this fantasy that comes along with, like, the rock and roll lifestyle. And I know I'm not like that. You guys aren't like that. You <laughs> yeah, love cats, too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get where I'm coming from. No, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, it's like most of us, most of the people that I really fuck with that are working, they're not really – like crazy drug addicts or alcoholics, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I mean, you can't, if you want to successfully run your own band with like no one else, you can't do that. And like, you definitely can't do it when we're on the road. One of my, I was going to say too, uh, talking about what people's different perspective, Felicia had a great line. We were playing a, a, a set at a, at a winery, which it's, it's, it's a hit or miss set. Like people are either like, understand that we're playing originals and they like it which at this venue, a lot of times they, they do, do a lot place, of yeah. them but sometimes you occasionally get people who like don't understand 
you know, and they're they're just wanting to party or whatever. But most of the time they're cool. But there's one we were playing it and we had a break and this lady came up to Felicia. Yeah, <laughs> and like we we do the duo sets and they're kind of like money gigs to help like totally do. But at the same time, like, I like it because we, we still, yeah, it's we still great. do what we want to do. But this and, lady came up to me, and she was like, oh, my God, you guys are amazing. You're so good. And I was like, thank you so much. She was like, I love it. I love it. What are you – like, why are you here in Shelbyville trying – she's like, you live in Nashville. You're here in Shelbyville trying to make it, though. And I said, I'm in Shelbyville getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> I was like – I thought that was a great answer. And she, and that, but the thing is, she immediately understood. She was like, oh, okay. And then she <laughs> like, bought a vinyl. Yeah, yeah she, she bought, bought a record. Hell yeah. Like, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> she got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I heard her talk. I think she was like in the service industry. So I think she understood it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so. But it was just a funny line, though, because I think sometimes people don't understand that. Like, it's, you got to do what you got to do. And like, you know, whatever that means. <laughs> How many days a year are you guys on the road? All together, uh, duo sets and with James. Right. Um, this year, I'd say we're probably looking at the end of the year at about 150 50 Damn. shows. Um, 2019, we played over 200. And then 2020, 2021, 2022, we're like getting back into the swing. Swing, of it. I think yeah. 2022, I think we played around 80 to 100. And same thing with maybe more, a little bit more uh, the last year. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, this year it'll probably be around 150. Um, so yeah, we're hitting it as hard, as hard as we can. And, and, um, sometimes, and I always tell people too, like that are like, people ask us like, Hey, how are you touring? How are you making money? And I'm like, some of it's a learning process. Like you play a gig and you're like, Oh, we can't play there again. You know what I mean? And and, you you know, you learn, you learn from doing it. Uh, and then also you learn from seeing what everybody else is doing, Yeah, (laughs) which is the the best advice I can give. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, uh, definitely a learning experience. I, I remember speaking of James and a road show. I I'm 99% sure this was with James. Almost. This could have been another gig that I was playing at Press Pub. But you'll have to ask him about this. We stopped at a Waffle House at 3 a.m. Was that 2 a.m. Dustin Sellers. Is that when y'all were playing? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh huh. You've heard this story. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between Knoxville and Nashville. It was closer to Knoxville. We stopped at this Waffle House, and there was these white supremacist bikers that were there. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think I know this. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know maybe what you guys are referring to. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, we were at this fucking Waffle House, and it was crazy to fucking see, like, all the Nazi patches and shit. And oh, it's like, oh, shit, this shit is real. It's God. not just, like, in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, this dude had, like, poured water out. Like, one of the bikers had poured water out on this person sitting at the table. And it's like, I don't know. It's it's crazy just seeing shit like that. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So they, it, so they were, like, abusing people? Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. we were just. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's really terrifying. Keeping that's our horrible. heads down, not yeah. trying to fucking. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, because you got three fucking musicians yeah. from Nashville, three city boys out in the backwoods of Tennessee. <laughs> Dude, that's terrifying. Yeah, it was uh it was something, man. Jeez. Yeah, what what did James what did James tell you guys? I just he I, I think I asked him when uh after the gig and I was like I was like, how'd it go? And he was like, Man, we had so many people on stage. It yeah. was it was a because that's not a big stage anyway. No. And, no. and it, then, we had a full horn section. Right. Um, so uh, we might have had two, two or three horns. 
which the horn players were honestly Dustin Sellers' band was great. That yeah, was and always that was, Anthony Jorison played with because yeah. yes, yeah, he's we awesome. We used to yeah, play yeah, with yeah. him years and years ago when we first yeah, moved down. He saw well, he's great. We saw y'all at the basement. Uh, oh yeah, at the basement. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. We did play at the basement. Mm-hmm. That was a good show. That was mm-hmm. a really good. Show. I have a recording of that show somewhere too. Nice. Um, that might have honestly been my first show with Dustin Sellers. I think it was. I think he just joined. Yeah, because I got the gig because of James. Because mm-hmm. uh, TH3 and Dustin Sellers played a gig together. He heard me and James play together. He's like, "Yo, would you be interested?" He he had used a bass player that night that was like a Broadway guy, so he didn't. He was used to just like learning songs on the fly. Oh yeah. So right. he was like blowing notes and shit. I mean, he was a good player. You could just tell it wasn't his cup of tea. Right. Um. But yeah, he hired me out to play, and I fucking played with uh with James. That that was our first gig outside of playing with Teo. Nice. Um. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. So. Right. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was interesting though that night. It that was honestly it, that was kind of a nightmare gig, if I'm gonna be real. <laughs> like that that particular gig playing at Press Pub that night, um, it, there was just a lot of people on stage. Me and James were like, you said you were tight. Yeah. yeah, we were on top of each other. Cause y'all rode together, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we rode together. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We've had a couple of crazy things at Press Pub. One of the shows we played, they actually ended up. Uh, they had double booked us and they we ended up only playing an hour instead of like the long set which was great we got paid um, the same yeah. yeah we got paid the same we played an hour and but at the end of the set all of a sudden I like hear James doing something Josh is still playing and I turn around and the water started I pouring down through song. the yeah. so there's just like a flood of water coming down on James and the drums and so I start like throwing <laughs> drums up and yeah. Josh has no idea like he, so the I'm minute still goes rocking, by and I look over <laughs> and I if, if, like after about 10 because I was like oh man maybe he, you know I thought something slipped or you know whatever yeah but, but I look we got all our pizza and drinks covered really that night. It, it was great because yeah, of the water. Um, but yeah, we had another one. James got food poisoning the end of one show there too. So it was yeah. he was like, I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta go. And we were like, we're well, cool. We'll cover the last nothing thirty like, minutes. Nothing <laughs> like getting food poisoning in a in a in a, in a you know a dive bar. <laughs> three hours from home. Yeah, three yeah. hours from home. And we, we had, had shows. That was like our first stop on the road too. Yeah, we oh, so we had like, like no. we had like four more days. <laughs> Luckily, we had. Uh, there's day. been a couple of food poisoning instances with, with him, wh- yeah, yeah him and there was one with him and you in Mississippi oh, that and was bad. It, oh, that was no. it was horrible. We were in a hotel and it was awful. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, rough. God. Yeah, that that sounds horrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like it's probably pretty difficult to eat well on the road unless whatever town you're pulling into is like has a Whole Foods or something. Right. Yeah. We eat a lot of Mexican food since James is vegetarian. Yeah. So we can we it's good for all of us. Yeah, I think both times he he got sick was from the the food at the shows. <laughs> like possibly we're not sure. The yeah, mm-hmm. culprit. But uh, I've gotten food poisoning once since I've I've lived in Nashville. I got it at um at this place. I will fucking call them out because I know it was it was them. It was this place Jalisco that's on uh, Donaldson Pike. Okay, it's like I'm where Donaldson and and Elm Hill meet. It's a Mexican restaurant over by the airport yeah i know where that is yeah Yeah. right across from walgreens yeah Yeah. um but yeah i got really bad food poisoning i just woke up in the middle of the night puking and um i wake up to my boss at my job i i called out um that day because i was like there's no way i'm going to be able to make it in Everybody else that I worked with who also got it also got food poisoning and on top of that one of the buildings had burned down 
at one the apartment complex I worked at at the time. There was like a meth lab in there. Oh my god. Yeah, so it was like a whole thing, and they had asked like they didn't even bother asking me to come in because I had called out. But there there was a couple people that lived like on site at that complex because I lived on an, at another complex on site. But yeah, um, that had to deal with having food poisoning and, uh, and a meth lab fire. That's wild. <laughs> what a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, other time I got food poisoning, I got it from Wendy's when I was like 13 years old. Mm. Oh, dude. And I vividly remember it because I got chicken nuggets. So it was, it was probably from that. And it was the night that uh, – do you guys remember the show The O.C.? Oh, yeah. yeah. On, on it was on Fox, um, but they had like a, a special preview of like Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> so I was super stoked. You know, yeah. I was re- ready to see whatever this this preview was for Revenge of the Sith. Um, and at like two or three a.m., I woke up to go get some water. I was probably like twelve or thirteen, um, and I just puked all over the counter oh yeah yeah it's just like you, you i didn't even know i was gonna get sick yeah yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. um and uh yeah it was it was traumatizing but Jeez. yeah that's that's probably those are the two times that i've i've had food poisoning for sure it's the worst yeah yeah it's awful it's bad oh one of the f- another funny press pub thing though last time we played there they had a um silent upstairs, disco yeah silent upstairs. disco upstairs where people so, wear headphones, right? Yeah. People would randomly come down and have headphones on, and like, and like they'd be like, you know, dancing and stuff. Yeah. And we were we were just like, it just looks so stupid. <laughs> but I'm ninety percent sure the night that we played there, I saw Tom Green. I'm almost oh. certain it was him. That's amazing. Uh, uh, and I didn't go up to him, you know, because I'm Nashville trained. Mm. You, know, you know the rules. Oh yes. Right, right. Um, but I'm like, oh fuck, that is Tom Green. He must have been, I'm guessing, in town for, like, a show or mm-hmm. something like that. But he was hanging out at Prez Pub. He was smoking a fucking cigarette and drinking. Um, by the time our set started, though, he was he was gone. Yeah. That's I'm pretty, cool, I think that was with Dustin. He was Sellers. pulling off Undercutter's Pizza with yeah. Prez Pub Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch that skit where he would try to beat him to the door with the pizza? Oh, yeah. And then he'd be yeah. like, what do you have on your pizza? And he'd make it right there. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was so funny. Yeah. Tom Green is great, dude. What has he been up to? Is I don't he, know. Uh, Not a clue. Well, Danny, what has Tom Green been up to? Do you know? He's been on Joe Rogan a couple of times. It's always good, a good episode when he's on. He's an interesting dude. He sure. is an interesting dude. I mean, he really uh, – was like one of the first fucking podcasters. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, he had, he had ball cancer. I did know that, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Um, fucking Tom Green. I guess there's a polygamist named Tom Green, Green as well. <laughs> He's an American Mormon. What have you guys been listening to lately? Is there anything you've been super um, into? The new uh, the new Budos Band EP. Hell yeah. Really good. Uh, and they started their own label, too. They're out. Uh, Diamond West Records is oh, their, shit. Okay. their label. Uh, I've been li- we listen to them. Um, we just got the new Kills Seven Inch. Um, oh, nice. L.A. Okay. Hex and New York. And they just they just put out the the new album for presale, I think, which has got those two singles on it. But it's those singles super, are sick. Singles are really good. Um, new M Ward album is really good. Oh shit! Yeah, Supernatural, Supernatural Being. Did you hear the She and Him cover record, the Beach Boys cover record? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it was good as fuck, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really she good. Him's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've been a big M Ward fan for for years. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's awesome. Good producer, good singer. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his new record's good. Uh, he's got a bunch of features on there, like First Aid Kit, the the lead singer from that's on. I think two tracks. Jim yeah. James. It was is on so fun. We oh, were yeah. we were driving this home one funny. night yeah, really this late, like and this song ago. came on, and Josh was like, "Whoever this is is ripping off M Ward so hard because it was a girl singing." <laughs> and Josh was like, "Even the lyrics are ripping M Ward," and he was pissed, and he like gets out his <laughs> phone to like listen, and he goes, "Oh, it's M Ward featuring First Aid Kit." Yeah, <laughs> she had a line that she said transistor, and I was like, "M Ward always says stuff like that." Like, yeah. She's just ripping, and it was like a melody he would do. The song sounds like, well, great. It's though. why it's because he wrote. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I, but I felt pretty dumb. I've been digging Idols, too. Yeah, Idols is good. Hell yeah. Very nice. What about you? Man, honestly, I've been mainly pumping the new Queens record. Oh, I've been listening mm-hmm. to that as it well. It is really yeah. good. It's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super, super heavy. Like, the guitars are just buzzsaw as fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been listening to that. I mean, I've been a fan of them for years, really since probably like, uh, like Clockwork came out. Yeah, I've I've Is that like twenty thirteen. Yeah, I've been consistently like listening to them, and because that was around the time that I was big, getting into Arctic Monkeys, and of course, Josh that. from Queens of the Stone mm-hmm. Age. He produced yeah, Humbug. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. the, uh, are you guys Humbug fans? Yeah. 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 I, love I love that. Our... I love every Arctic Monkeys album. I'm a fan yeah. girl, but yeah, Humbug's great. Humbug's awesome. What did you think of the car? I liked it. Yeah, I like it a mm-hmm. lot. I liked it too. It's almost like soundtracky. Like, Very it's a, much, It's yeah. a different thing. It's I really feel like cool. it's a good uh, like progression on from Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I would probably say Tranquility Base is now my number one. And then probably Humbug would be my number two. Um, the car number three, just because I haven't spent enough time with it. Yeah, you know? I don't feel like I've spent enough time with it to like yeah. really get it either. Well, you, it's like I have all of these memories and all of these years built with these other albums. Right, mm-hmm. right. So it's unfair to like grade it on the same curve. Right. Yeah. Um, Suck It and See was honestly one of my favorite fucking records for them. That That was what really got me into them. I saw them. Open for the Black Keys back in 2012, maybe. Oh, oh nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. On the El Camino tour. Yeah. It was dope. I was still in Maine. Um, for a long time, I was a fucking Arctic Monkeys hater because this girl that I had a crush on in high school loved them. She was obsessed with <laughs> Alex Turner. So I was like, fuck Alex Turner. Fuck the Arctic Monkeys. But uh, now, uh, being being a, being a grown-up, um, I love them. Is everything good, Danny? Yeah. I think that's just my fucking laptop going off. I, uh... <laughs> I really love, I was going to say, um, we saw him in, I think it was 2017, 2018. It was a Tranquility Base. At tour. Ascend? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was a dope show. They're they're coming in September. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know. Um, Are you guys going to be out of town? We might be out of town, yeah. <laughs> we have tickets. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, yeah. if you can't make it, let me know. I'll buy the fucking tickets from you. Sure. Okay. We'll let you know, man. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Got, two, we got two. So. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I'm, I'm, I've seen them. Every tour since Sucking in Sea. So nice. this will be the fourth nice. time that I'm about to they're see so them. They're so good, yeah. Yeah, they're I, great. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the best shows that I've ever seen was that show. They just killed it. They sounded so – they, they sound perfect live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're so bombastic. Like, the, the Nick O'Malley and Matt Helders are such a great fucking rhythm section. I Absolutely, think they, they, yeah. they might be my favorite rhythm section of, like, modern bands mm-hmm. today. And talking about, like, diverse stuff. Like yeah. Like, they – 
you know within the set list they're doing like everything you know and and it's cool how they how they pull that off like flawlessly like well what i loved about them is alex turner really i felt leaned into the performance art aspect with tranquility base hotel and casino um and what i loved was I think in his mind, the way that he wanted to present it, and you guys can tell me what, what you think about this, but I think he was like, we are now a band that is in our mid to late 30s. We're approaching middle age, and we're still playing I Bet You Look Good on the dance floor. So I, I felt like they had like that lounge act style stage because he's like, we're washed up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a very like English way to, to look at it. It's like a dry... Very mm-hmm. self-aware. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was cool. Yeah, it was uh, cool. I loved it. Yeah. I'm, that's, I'm, a, that's an interesting way to put that, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to fucking see them, though. They recorded one song in Nashville. Do you know what song that is? Mm-mm. You're So Dark. It's the B-side to One for the Road. Mm-hmm. They recorded it over at Sputnik Sound. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, so Vance Powell, he was the engineer on it. Oh, that's cool. But great fucking song. Um, you can hear this is the fucking transition song to Tranquility Base. Uh, when you listen to it, you'll be able to tell. I know yeah. Allison Mossart sings um, like background vocals on one of the songs, and I can't remember which one it is um, now. It's uh, the, one of the ones off Humbug. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the, the title is either. Because I didn't know that for like my first million listens, and then I was like reading the notes, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Because <laughs> I love her, and then can't unhear like, it. Great production too, with with uh, uh, Josh Homey on, you know, all that. Yeah, stuff. and like he's done so many records, people don't realize that he's done. Like he did the not the latest, but the cause one that just came up with the one before the Royal Blood album, which is really good. Is that the one with lights out on it? Uh, I actually don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's the one that came out in 2021. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. I'm so bad at song names. <laughs> no, you're good, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic producer. There, there's one band that he, I wish he would fucking work with that I think would be killer. And it's Year of October. Well, uh, <laughs> yes, Year of October for sure. Uh, but the Growlers. You guys know the Growlers? I've, I've, I think James has showed us some stuff of theirs. So he James loves, loves the Growlers. Yeah. yeah he loves okay. the album Chinese Fountain by them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? James might have been the first person to show me the Growlers, honestly. Probably. Um, but, yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. Since the singer has gone solo, um, Brooks uh, Brooks Nielsen. He's, a, like, a solo artist now. The band broke up. But, um, yeah, they're really good. They did um, a record with Julian Casablanca called City Club. Oh, that's cool. It, it, it's – you can – very much here, Julian. Hear the strips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's definitely the Growlers have their own sound. It's beach goth, like that's what they're, mm-hmm. they're they say their genre is beach goth. Um, but they're fuck, they're good as fuck. Like if you've never done a deep dive on the Growlers, you would be into them. Um, oh yeah, that's awesome. I'll check them out. Yeah. I mean, I'll check them out more. Uh, yeah. I've liked what James has shown me. Um, another good album. Uh, guitar player for Queens of Sun. What's his freaking name? Uh. Who did the? He did the. Dean Fertia. Yeah, he did the Dean Fertia. Uh, he just put out an album, but it's called like, uh, shoot, I got it on vinyl. Uh, He's like their ox player, right? Yeah. Doesn't he do like keys yeah, and yeah. guitar? Yeah, and yeah. exactly. Yeah. But his album, um, his album, he just put out. Uh, it has the word goth in it, and it's really good. Uh, so, Tropic, so it's like a solo album. Tro- Tropic, yeah. Or, yeah, it's a solo album. 
Oh, um, shit. Did Third Man put it out? Yeah, Third Man put it out. Yeah, because uh, he mm-hmm. plays a lot with Jack, he too, right? He plays with the Raconteurs, mm-hmm. right? And Dead Weather. And Dead Weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then so does um, Troy. I think he plays with Jack as well. Oh, shit. Okay, so he's got an album that just came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, Dead Weather. No, I mean, that's the band uh, that he plays with as well. But the album is just him, just his name. I believe. Oh shit! As a solo artist, solo artist, uh, Tropical Goth Club. It's oh, nice. me that just because yeah, of the that's title. a cool title. But, I like it, that. but I got the vinyl, and it sounds awesome, and uh, it's super like you know riffy and catchy, but then also like you know dark and. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna have to check it out. Yeah, it's cool. Did you listen to Post Pop Depression? Uh uh-uh, uh So um, Dean's on that. Josh from Queens is on it. He produced it. Matt Helders plays drums on it. Nice. Okay. And it's it's Iggy Pop. Oh, that's cool. yeah, yeah, yeah! I know exactly. I know the cover. I know the cover now. That you yeah. said that, yeah, yeah. I need. Uh, it was it was a great album. That's when I've been needing to pick. Ryan saw them on tour with that. Mm. Uh, that would have been a great tour to see. Yeah, he said it was cool. Um, yeah, tropical. But yeah, Dean Fertie is he's the man. Like all his stuff, he's he's, he's worked so on, good. and he seems like like everybody like I've talking to someone who knows him. I guess they were saying he's just super chill. <laughs> nice, hell yeah. So. Well, it's just cool um, that Nashville. It intersects like the at the highest levels with like yeah, the biggest names in rock music. Mm-hmm. There's the album cover there. Too. Oh shit, that's cool as fuck. Yeah, it's super psychedelic. Yeah, but interesting. It's, it's it's really good. I've uh, Danny, can we get one of those songs? Can you play just like uh, thirty seconds of something? Yeah. I think you can pull it up on Bandcamp. Yeah, on think, Bandcamp. I think I just had a video up a second ago. Um, any of these? Or wait, no, those are those are Queen songs. Yeah. Yeah. Probably um, if you look up uh, Tropical Goth Club. Goth Club cause, uh, is it this one? Uh, yeah. yeah. This one looks like one, it's one of his videos. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That's that's the eye. That yeah. is public domain footage that I actually use in one of our music videos. <laughs> Haven't watched this one, so that's awesome. <laughs> there we go. That's hilarious. So he's, is he singing as well? Yeah. That is. I use that on our. That's hilarious. You can hear that his role that he plays in Dead Weather and Queens. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, he wrote all like all those riffs with the Dead Weather. It's like him, you know, because it's just a basically like a like a a four piece, but like. Jacks on drums. Jacks on drums. Yeah. too funny yeah i use that same footage not all of it but in our music video for wastelands part one and two hell yeah yeah, the whole (laughs) whole album i did it first (laughs) i think it's 11 songs it's super good i'm definitely gonna check this out hell yeah yeah that'll be enough i think the reason i even heard about it I, i got the email from third man you know, be like new releases, and I was like, you know, I was like, what's this? You know, and it yeah. caught my eye. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely gonna check that out. Yeah, it's, it's cool because uh, guys like Dean and Troy, I feel like I relate more to because they're like sidemen for the most yeah. part. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They, they get recruited, and I mean, he, he plays it. They both play their role in like Queens, or they play their role with Jack, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I've always been able to relate more to guys like that and producers than necessarily like 
the poster on the wall. Like as I've gotten older. Yeah, know? no, I understand. I uh, I definitely get that for sure. That's I mean, I got those are the guys like that, like him and Little Jack. Yeah, plays with like even like City and Color. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he's talk about like a chameleon bass player. He's playing anything from heavy stuff to to like you know soul stuff yeah you know and it's so cool i think that i respect that a lot just because like they can adapt to whatever they're doing well I, he, like you're saying yeah he played bass on the um the uh coal, who sings coal miner's daughter oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he right, played yeah. bass on that on that album yeah, which, that's like oh, the, the one that jack did at third man yep, yeah that's the drummer too from the rack on oh shit the okay yeah 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 yeah, that's and that's a good record. Dude. That record's awesome. I got that. We I got have that, that on one, vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't even think that's streaming anywhere now. It's. I don't think it is either. Yeah. 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 So it's it's like a, a rare thing in the digital age. It's out of print. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the the single that first single from that album, Portland, Oregon, uh, that probably I love came that song. out. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, that was actually pre Recon Tours, I believe. So. I think you might be right because that was maybe. 2000 it was like i want to say 2006 or 2008 or something it's very i think it's six yeah yeah because i was still in high school when that came out and that was really before i knew like nashville was a cool place because i used to come here when i was a kid because my aunt and uncle lived here or mm-hmm. they, they still do live here um but I, I have such vivid memories of of coming down here i have two vivid memories nashville memories before i moved here one um, when I was probably eight or nine, we went down to Broadway and there was a merry-go-round down at the very end of Broadway. Oh, wow. Um, and we were walking and there used to be, uh, a cafe that had like, it was like the NASCAR cafe or some shit. Mm. There was like NASCARs hanging up. I liked NASCAR when I was a kid. <laughs> I was super into it. Um, but yeah. And then the other memory I have is of coming to the Opry Mills Mall there used to be a giant Gibson, like, showroom at the mall. Oh, okay. that was that, was like, cool. before it flooded? Be- pre-flood, uh. yeah, 100%, yeah. Um, and they had – they were making, I think, like, some of their mandolins and some of their acoustics there because they had the shop up in Montana, but there was still some stuff acoustic-wise that they did here. Um, so that was pretty vivid because I, I remember wanting to see, like – the signature Billy Joe Armstrong, Les Paul, like I'm Les Paul Jr. I wanted to try it, and it was like a two thousand dollar guitar. Mm-hmm. Like normally, it would be, never be something that I could play. Um, so yeah, I went and played that, and was super excited for it. And I remember going into this candy shop, and there was a cute girl who worked behind the counter, and I didn't talk to her. I was probably sixteen at the time. <laughs> it still stays with me today. Uh, yes. <laughs> what if I had just talked to her? Yeah, we would probably be married by now and have have a couple of kids. I'd and have your <laughs> own candy shop. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, exactly. There's another universe. Somewhere yeah, somewhere. yeah. Speaking of alternate universes, there's uh, another Taylor Berryman that's in Nashville. Really? Um, yes, and even more bizarrely, his dad is named Dave Berryman. That's my dad's name. And even more bizarrely, he is the uh, – shit, I'm the first one that comes up, though, um, on nice. Google. But uh, his dad was, like, the president of Gibson. So anytime – this has happened probably, like, four or five times since I've been in town where I've called a music store and I've asked for something and I've put it on hold and I've told them their name and they'll ask me how my dad is doing. Uh 
or people will hit me up on Facebook because they'll see Taylor Berryman and they'll see that I'm in Nashville and they'll be asking me questions about my dad. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's so fucking random. That's so funny. Yeah, so there's um there's another Taylor Berryman in Nashville and his dad was the president of Gibson and I think he's also the same age as me. Because even when I have doctor's appointments and shit, there have been times that I've called like over at Vanderbilt and they've mixed up my files. Uh. Well, they've mixed up our files and they'll be like, what's your birthday? And I'll give them my birthday and then they'll see, you know, like social and all that shit. But yeah, completely random. Isn't that so weird? That, that is, is weird. weird. <laughs> what if he's a serial killer or something? <laughs> <laughs> what if he's going to kill me? That's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but it's so fucking random, dude. Like, that's funny. Yeah, it's just funny. You get when, some free Gibsons out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, Dad said I needed to pick up. Yeah, everything. I just show up there. <laughs> like, you know, I've anything never for Dave. I've never been to the Gibson here in Nashville. I think it's down even... on Elm Hill Pike where they make all the Les Pauls and mm-hmm. shit. I've been to the one that was in Memphis. I went to there before I moved to Nashville. Um probably like 2012 or something like that to visit my friend uh, Kurt because he was living in Memphis at the time. It was cool though because that's where they used to make all the ES-335s and the, like the semi-hollows and shit. Mm-hmm. They might have done some of the acoustics there. But I know Montana is like their acoustic shop. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, completely random that shop has been shut down now it sounds like you need to make some calls yeah i know yeah no kidding <laughs> you'd be like my appearance has changed yeah. drastically i i don't remember what you remember me looking like but when i pick these up you won't wreck actually i'm p- sending someone else well what i have to do is just be like hey uh i just have to confidently call be like i need this this and this i'll be there 2 p.m on saturday right right or you I guys got, have or, it ready then you'd be like i'm sending my guy yeah that's you yeah, I'm just like, me. yeah. Like, hi i'm bob you know <laughs> i'm here to pick up the guitars for taylor <laughs> yeah it's uh it's so strange but that's funny yeah random random nashville memories and also random nashville connection mm-hmm. so strange yeah that's wild yeah um, so what are you guys kind of like looking forward to most or what are you trying to do next with the label? I know not everything you can talk about. Yeah. Um, we have the dangerous method that is out in November, the beginning of November. It's available for pre-order now. We're super excited about it. It's, is that a, another seven inch or is yeah, that? Okay. It's a seven inch. It's two, uh, brand new songs from them and it's awesome. I love it. Um, but we have a release coming out every month, the rest of the year. Yep. Uh, actually through January. Yeah. And then we have something at with the band that we're working on too that it's not not we're, in production we're yet. On, we're waiting on some some artwork and yeah. some, some little 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 things. There's something know. coming but There's you something coming. you can't say it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, secrets. Secret. But yeah, we're super excited. Yeah, like every every month we have something um and that's that's actually kind of crazy to think about a little little anxiety you know what dude it's like i've known you guys for a couple years now we share of course our mutual friend in james and he's always fucking telling me that you guys are hustling and you're always at it what do you think it is like what has kept you guys moving because there are always fucking setbacks always (laughs) oh yeah what do you do when you hit those i think Uh, acknowledge it 
And you can, I mean, you can even sit with it for a minute and be sad for a minute, like when something comes in your way and knocks you back. And, but then just keep going. I think perseverance and just wanting it so badly is the best thing for any band or any, like someone creative in general. Uh, right. Perseverance is the best thing. Yeah. Cause like we, I mean, we definitely have like things pop up, things happen and, um, yeah, we just always always pivot and, and move forward. And uh, sometimes you need a night where you're like, all right, I'm not going to do any work, which is hard for me to do. It feels <laughs> uncomfortable sometimes. Because I'm a – yeah. But I definitely think, like, for us, like, you know, just keep keep going. And, um, like, it's it's weird because, like, each, each time we hit something new, we learn something from it. And I think we grow from it and, and – um, like with the label stuff, like we're figuring that out now. Even like mm-hmm. obviously, we'll continue figuring that out over the next probably yeah, forever. You know, you're always figuring something out. But I think I think the thing too is like figuring out new ways to do things and ways to do it better the next time. And and uh, and then also like maybe understanding. My mom said this to me the other day. She's like, it's never like you're not like if something doesn't work and it's it, it you know say something uh, fails. She's like, it's not a failure. It just means that you took an attempt. Like you're taking, like a swing at something. And yeah. I, I think for us, it's always always keep keep getting back in the box and and uh, you know, taking that next at bat <laughs> for a baseball now. Yeah. Even when you're slumping. Even yeah. when you're slumping. And I think um, something that we've also over the years done is like we've tried to do something ourselves. And like if this thing doesn't work with us doing it, it's like okay, this is something we probably need to outsource to someone else. Right. Like maybe I find an artist that is better at making album art than I am. We'll outsource that. And then I can focus more on like getting the stuff ready, writing the music. And I think it's like a good thing in realizing like what your strengths and what your faults are Mm -hmm. and being able to be like, be okay with having someone else do something. We, uh, we, me and me and Felicia talk about this stuff all the time, but yeah, being self-aware about where you're at, you know, with whether it's the band, the label, um, like, like we've, we've definitely like, there's been times where like, I can't book these venues in the Midwest. My friends Volk book shows there all the time. I'm going to hit up Chris and be like, Hey, I can't get any of these venues to respond to me. You know what I mean? And then he's like, yo bro, here's some content. He might not, you know, he's been, Chris has been extremely helpful and he's always helping us and stuff, but it's like being willing to say, Hey, I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I feel like, and, and this isn't just music in general, but just in general, people sometimes get. And I know I, I do definitely like get prideful. I don't want people to think I'm failing. I don't want people to think I don't have my stuff together. Yeah. But it's like asking for help or like not reali- being afraid to ask. Not for being help. afraid. Yeah. Or like or like when it comes to like mixing with because I, you know, do all the producing and mixing and stuff. But like being like like I remember in 2017, I was having trouble with a couple songs. So I sent the tracks to, to Kim, uh, our friend Kim, who does all that. She does all the Howling Giant stuff. She's their their producer and everything and I was like hey what do you think about these what would you do mix wise here how would you approach this and uh that was very eye-opening and helped helped me a lot but it's stuff like that like and, and that's something that we we still are I mean I'm always trying to get better at doing that but that's something that we talk about a lot is just being being aware enough to know um okay this is where I'm good at this is what I need to work on and asking for help yeah well what I would to continue the baseball analogy what I would refer to you guys as is like a five-tool player. You can hit for batting average. You're fast. You can hit for power. You're good uh, defensively. And I can't remember what the other one is. 
this. But you guys can do it all. You know what I mean? At least well enough to, to get voted to the fucking All-Star game every year. Like, in Nashville, and I said this jokingly, but I, I really mean this. When, when everybody else is bitching, Year of October is working. Like, I've never not seen you guys be hustling. You're either well, posting you. about your vinyl, your shirts, your tour dates, a show in town, whatever it is, and I fucking respect it because you well, guys put you. your thank money you. where your mouth your mouth is. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. We, that really means a lot. I, I appreciate you saying yeah, that. Yeah, of you. course. No, I think, it, I think it deserves to be recognized, and I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. Like, a, a lot of other bands in the scene, they, you know, whenever your guys' name comes up, they bring that up, just the, the work ethic that you guys have and the fact that you guys are full-time musicians and you're not playing down on Broadway is a fucking achievement in itself. And I'm not saying anything bad about Broadway. I think it's totally admirable people doing that. But um, it's inspiring to always see you guys because you are, I feel like you represent, you're like representatives for the scene for a lot of us of what we strive to be like. And you, like I was saying, you put your fucking money where your mouth is. Um, and you're strategic and you're smart and you learn from your mistakes. And I mean, that's pretty much what you guys have just said is mm-hmm. strike out. And if you get down and out, just let it keep happening until something. No, bad times never last. That Good yeah. times never last either. But bad right. times never last. It's never a permanent fixture. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's that's uh, that really means a lot for you to say that. And I, I appreciate it. And I, we always tell people like we've we've had a couple of uh, uh, we go get coffees with people and they'll ask us like how do you do a release or you know that's we've had probably ten or twelve of those conversations over the last couple of years and uh, I always tell people I'm like I know how to do a release now because I failed the first four times yeah <laughs> you know totally I mean? and it's like you know I failed the, you know whatever and I'm like here's how you do it and also we've we've also spent money where we shouldn't and it's like I've spent money there here's what they told me to do. And this is what I learned from from wasting that money. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Do you guys hire PR for for your releases now? Uh, we have not on the last two. Uh, we, we did on Troublecoms. That's yeah. a, that's a big one too. Is like we and I, that's a whole other conversation. But the one thing about like with us with with PR, uh, we we spent a lot of money on it, but we learned how they work, and we got those contacts. And so I'm like, it was worth it just to learn all of that because we got a lot of information from that. Um, did they actually help us in making sales? No. No. Yeah. But they, not saying that all PR couldn't because every, that's the thing too is I think sometimes it's just navigating through and figuring out the right fit. The right fit. And, and we got some, like from that, we learned how to do a release really well. We like learned what they do and how they word things and all of that. We also got some really good like little blips for our EPK from uh, like press stuff. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, the money we put in didn't really translate into sales of that record. And so we were like, we will save that in the future. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> and totally. just do it the same way. And we use another, we use another company that was, that like got us uh, played on, it was like 200 radio stations. Yeah. Again, another example of like, it was expensive. It wasn't worth our money. Yeah. But now we have those contacts at those radio stations. So we just, we do all that you, on our you end. You continue the relationships. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 So it, and that's paid off in the long run. Um, but it's definitely like a learning process. Cause like, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're younger and you're, you're trying to make it like, make it big or, or get signed or something, you, you know, like, what does that even mean nowadays? But like, 
you gotta uh, you gotta be able to to do it yourself before anybody's gonna put any money into you. So that's the thing I, that we've realized is is like, I'm like, you know, if I don't if I'm not making it on my own, how am I expecting someone else to put any money to me? One hundred percent. Because I think a lot of bands they're waiting for Jack White to swoop in. Mm-hmm. Or Dan Auerbach to swoop in, right, and come and kind of save the day and finally get them where they want to be. But what you guys have done is you said, "Yo, fuck that! No one's coming to our rescue. Yeah. Right. We are on a desert island. Yep, um, and we got to build this raft to get off of it." Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, that's a great way to put it. I, I always say, like, I mean, getting one of those, like a big, like a sign thing, which, for one thing, you know, there's just not that much, you know, uh, uh, many big labels doing that sort of thing nowadays like there would be but also like uh what was i trying to say um it's like winning the lottery yeah more than it would be like like you know doing your grind and and being like we like we we always consider ourselves like a blue collar <laughs> kind oh, of yeah. musician 100 <laughs> percent. Um, and like it would still it would be great if like great, tomorrow yeah. One of them reached out to yeah, us and was like, hey, sure. absolutely, <laughs> come on. Or like, I think what I would even want more at this point than getting signed right now is an opening spot on their tour. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. I'm like, I have all the merch. I can do all of this stuff. I'll just open for you and sell it to all your you fans. Just need to bring some, yeah, you just need to bring someone along for merch. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, you'll have a badass sound person too. Exactly. Well, it's crazy too because like we even like, like uh, uh, Ron, is it Ron Gallo? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That we he was an early Poptimist guest. Mm-hmm. So we well, we went and saw him with the weird like Weird Sisters open for yeah. him. But what was crazy is like you, you know, at the end of the show, he's running his own merch. Oh shit! Him mm-hmm. and his bandmates were, and yeah. I'm like, that's that's smart. That's real life. Like not every show, even the shows he plays, where he's a he was on New West. You know, he's obviously been very successful. Yeah. Obviously, the Basement East show is a packed show. Yeah. But knowing that on the road, you know, you play whatever town. It could be any town. It could not be not very many people, and you might lose you know you lose a hundred dollars paying a merch guy. Maybe the best idea is I can do this. It's a pain pain in the butt, but like realizing like you know hey I I I can't pay that guy every every night. Be nice to yeah. But I I saw that and I'm like that's that's that that's something that I picked up on and and that might not apply to everybody. No, but one hundred percent. Well, it's like you hear stories, listening to a lot of podcasts about stand-up comedy and the internet and like the the comedians two of arguably like the biggest comedians of the past 20 years one kevin hart mm-hmm. and two dane cook the thing that i've heard about both of them is that in the early 2000s when myspace first started popping off they would go to their shows and they would be having people sign up like they would be talking to them and having them sign up and on an email list and they would find them on MySpace and all that shit. And I think there's something to be said for the grassroots aspect of what we do. It's like mm-hmm. the, the grassroots blue collar thing, kind of w- like what you're saying. Yeah. Because um, I, I very much see like all of us, you know, when, and sometimes, you know, we might go a lot of time without seeing each other. But it's like I always am like paying attention and hearing about what you guys are either doing or seeing you guys post. And like I said, it's inspiring to fucking see someone is – is doing it because um, I really am a big believer in the blue collar aspect of music. And is it the same thing as digging a ditch? No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. Right. But you have to have a working class mentality, I think to do it. And there's a really strong 
DIY ethic in Nashville, even though this is also where the industry is based. Mm-hmm. Right. We're like we're all on like the fucking outer rims of it. Like yeah. the way I've always compared myself is like uh the the fucking shark you know you know the fish that live on the bottom of the sharks oh, yeah, 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 yeah the yeah. parasites but mm-hmm. they never get eaten by the shark yep that's what i feel like i am in nashville like the, mm-hmm. su- the sucker fish yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm i'm the sucker fish in nashville because it's like i've gotten to record at blackbird like my own music for free like two or three times and I've gotten to do all this different shit here, and it's really never been anything that's been involved with the actual music business. It's been my other friends that are musicians right. in some capacity. It's like the last time I recorded at Blackbird, uh, Teo had a session and wanted to do some of his solo songs um, and called up me and James. James couldn't make it. Mike from um, The Love and Play Drums on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for my shit, cause James couldn't make it. I was like, James, what day can you make? He told me what day he can make. And I said, that day, do you want to come in overdub percussion? Um, so we went like, we did the percussion that day and we went upstairs. Like you, have you guys been to Blackbird? I have not. It, no. It's dope as fuck. Um, but there's like, they have like a drum room where they have all sorts of shit. And James uh, knew the guy cool. who works in there, of course, because yeah. <laughs> he works at Forks. Um, but yeah, he went up there and we brought everything down and James, just did his thing he knows what he's doing yeah yeah absolutely he's so killer yeah no that's that's awesome yeah and and it's it's interesting too because like looking at it now from my perspective i'm always like like from a band or from a label i'm like like to to younger bands it's like how are you able like anybody can tour like you can book a tour how are you able to make a make money on it and i hate about my money but like you have to be self-sustainable well how do you make money on booking your own tour yeah, so that's what that's what we do, and that's what uh, uh, we we I basically I put I put like what the way I do it is I, I'll get my calendar. I try to figure out like, hey, I know if I book a Thursday or a, say I book a Saturday, a new club like three band bill, out of town. I'm like I might I might not make any money that day because you know it could be a terrible turnout, whatever. Yeah. So I know that going into it. So I'm like, all right, so I'm gonna book a Thursday where I get a guaranteed amount of money at a place that I might know, or, you know, I use India on the move, uh, the website all the time. So I try to book like guarantees around these dates where I'm not making any money or I might, the possibility of, of losing money. Where you're trying to potentially splash into a, a new market. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, also I think on top of the guarantees, cause we do do that. We have several guarantees spaced throughout the tours. Um, but also having the merch set up, having it set up like as soon as you get there and not tearing it down until like the venue is making you tear it down. We sell, we sell so much merch or she does cause she does all the merch pretty much and nobody wants to talk to me, but, uh, <laughs> um, she said like, we set it up right when we get there. Cause we sell so many, so many vinyl before people, people will leave. They'll be like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to get dinner, but I like your vinyl and they'll buy it. Before we ever play, mm-hmm. hell yeah! And like, because it looks cool. It looks yeah. cool, and there they might be a vinyl, a collector, but they're like, I'm, I can't be here for the next two hours or whatever. Yeah, uh, you know, whatever the reason is, and uh, and they're sell. supporting an artist, an yep. independent artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like we so so we sell a lot of merch beforehand, uh, and we keep it up the whole time because yeah, you never know, and like merch is a it's a big part of it, and um, that's that's a. It's a big way to, for us to uh, to be self-sustainable. Um, we started making our own merch in 2020, 
making t-shirts. Uh, she makes her hats. So you guys do the screen printing? Yes. So do you have like a setup at your house? Yeah, we have the screens and we have the flash dryer and everything. We do it at our house. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. so we do that. And then I make our hats and our koozies as well. Okay. Interesting. Um, Danny, do you have uh, any business-related questions? Danny is a great business mind. You guys are great business minds. I know he's like a Wizard of Oz a little bit back there. You can't <laughs> see him. But he's back there. He's been listening this whole time. Um, I mean, I'd like to learn a little bit more about what all goes into like having a label i'm particularly i'm interested in learning about vinyl and like like making vinyl so um with our label we we aren't doing any distribution for artists we are just doing what's called product deals okay Um, that means that we pay for the vinyl or we have a deal with them where we pay a percentage of the vinyl they pay for it and then both people both parties get the profit percentage yeah, yeah. Amount of the profit. so a certain amount of profit and a certain amount of the records um but then as, as for like going like you know so like most of it's like 50 50 deals like we're you know if we get 500 records we get 250 they get 250 mm-hmm. um what we do with the vinyl we um we also have teamed up with uh, our buddy matt with plastic cat which he's uh, uh we've actually known matt for a long time but uh he does liquid filled vinyl Oh like shit! Yeah, I've vinyl. seen you guys yeah, yeah. post. Yeah. So that's kind of a a whole other aspect of it. Um, but a lot of times with the the label, we keep it very simple uh, with with product deals because I don't really there's not a lot of money in distribution nowadays. Like it's hard to make any money on streaming. I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to step on any toes. Yeah, with, totally. With, you know, with copyright and that sort of thing. So I let the bands do what they want to do there. Yeah. But like, um, but we usually we. We have the special, the specialty vinyl, uh, which is like the wax mages, which are, we, we go through got a groove and wax mage up in Cleveland and, and wax mages, uh, are their specialty records, um, which sell for a higher amount than the, uh, than regular records. And then also the liquid filled. So, um, both, uh, sell very well and, uh, help with the cost of everything. Um, but yeah, we just, like when you to put in the order of vinyl, you just go through the 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 pressing plant so um which is nice though because we have pressed so much through got a groove um we have a pretty good relationship with them so i can totally mm-hmm. call up matt or uh, uh you know one of the people who work there and and uh they can usually uh get our stuff uh back to us pretty quickly but um but yeah that's definitely like um I think the biggest thing too is just make sure everything's mastered for vinyl and all the formatting but on their websites they have everything kind of what you should yeah the at. specs that you yeah. need to yeah yeah the requirements that you need to, to reach absolutely interesting um anything else danny no i think that's it for now okay he'll probably have some questions off mike that's cool. <laughs> well um where can people find you at yeah year of october.bandcamp.com that's probably the best place. And then we're Year of October on all social medias. And then Watch It Burn is the record label. And so it's on Bandcamp as well at watchitburn.bandcamp.com. Yeah. I remember us talking about Bandcamp. Can you give like a quick dissertation on why you guys like Bandcamp and plug that real quick? Yeah, I, uh, I really like Band. We've been using Bandcamp for going on like 12 years now. But um, I really like Bandcamp just because of the social aspect of it. Like um, when somebody buys your record – and they have uh, you know other records in their 
in their uh, collection. collection. Everybody who follows that person, which a lot of people, there's like people with thousands of followers, gets an email <laughs> saying that they just bought something new. So it basically shares your music with a large number of people. So if you get like a couple of these, you know, people who are like basically like vinyl influencers um, to buy your stuff, then yeah. their buddies buy it. So that's a nice thing. Interesting. It's also yeah. it's also cool too because people can like, like we've had people find Year of October like being like, hey, what sounds like you know similar to Jack White or the Dead Weather or indie rock from Nashville, like mm-hmm. you know, um, stuff like that. Like they can they can find our band uh, through that, uh, and Bandcamp just makes it. They keep they keep getting better about it too. They uh, they have like they have their own like hashtags and genre tags and stuff. But um, it's nice because uh, you can you can find a lot of cool stuff, and we have a lot of people find us just through Bandcamp, and Bandcamp will actually tell you, hey, this sale happened because somebody searched for garage rock. Interesting. And, and so you can see what the hits are, yep. like where you're connecting at, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. So, so it's it's been cool. We really like we really like using them. I'm not sure if we're gonna use them the whole time with the label. We might just have our own website. But as for now, we really like it. Hell yeah. Well, dudes, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having yeah. us. Thanks oh, for having us. It's always a good time. Yes, absolutely. Keep on dreaming. See you next week.